Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Happy New Year again. Wow, what a we had a wonderful Christmas and New Year, spending time with family and friends. It was wonderful, wasn't it? Some lovely gifts. I've got so much deodorant, it's going to last me all year. Unless people are trying to tell me something, I think. Well, thank God for deodorant. Um, yeah, so happy new year, prosperous new year, a healthy new year. These are all the sort of things we hear now, isn't it, in the Christmas cards. We've wished that so many times to people, haven't we, in these last few weeks. And... Um, what the, the world's view of a healthy, prosperous New Year is regarding to not being ill, having lots of money probably. And what about when you lose your job, you have ill health? Is that not a prosperous New Year? We know people who don't we in hospital these last few months, but I, I am I believe that through ill health and redundancy, you can actually have a prosperous New Year with God. It can actually draw you closer to God. Just because you're ill health doesn't mean you're not being prosperous in your walk with God. Walking with God is not about how much money you have or having good health, is it? So we we thank God for the doctors in the hospital. And we've been in the hospital a few times these last few months visiting our brothers in hospital who have been ill. But their faith has been amazing. You know, the, encouraging the doctors and the nurses in their faith. So it's a real encouragement. So I want to encourage the, what I want to bring today is, in this new year, whatever comes at you, we're going to stay strong in God. Even if it's ill health, a redundancy, or lack of resource, we stay strong with God and our faith grows in God. And this is what I want to bring today. I mean, Jesus says, doesn't he, the wise man builds his house on the rock, the foolish man on the sand. But they both faced the storms. They both faced the same things. And the storms in our lives are these things, isn't it? Health, money, and uh, and all these things. So I want to encourage you today, whatever comes your way this year, you stay strong in God. And I'll be bringing more on that soon. Um, But I've asked Joe to do, do the actual reading today. Thank you, Joe. Okay, today's reading comes from 2 Kings chapter 12, and it's verse 1 to 12. In the seventh year of Jehu, Joash became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 40 years. His mother's name was Zebiah. She was from Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years. Sorry. In the eyes of the Lord, all the years, Joiada the priest instructed him. The high places, however, were not removed. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. Joash said to the priests, collect all the money that is bought as sacred offerings to the temple of the Lord, the money collected in the census, the money received from personal vows, And the money brought voluntarily to the temple. Let every priest receive the money from one of the treasurers. 
and let it be used to repair whatever damage is found in the temple. But by the 23rd year of King Joash, the priests still had not repaired the temple. Therefore, King Joash summoned Jehoiada, the priest, and the other priests, and asked them, Why aren't you repairing the damage done to the temple? Take no more money from your treasurers, but hand it over for repairing the temple. The priests agreed that they would not collect any more money from the people, and that they would not repair the temple themselves. Joida, the priest, took the chest and bore a hole in its lid. He placed it beside the altar, on the right side, as one enters the temple of the Lord. The priests who guarded the entrance put into the chest all the money that was brought to the temple of the Lord. Whenever they saw that there was a large amount of money in the chest, the royal secretary and the high priest came, counted the money that had been brought into the temple of the Lord, and put it into bags. When the amount had been determined, they gave the money to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. With it they paid those who worked on the temple of the Lord, the carpenters and builders, the masons and stonecutters. They purchased timber and dressed stone for the repair of the temple of the Lord and met all the other expenses of restoring the temple. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for that word, Lord. And Lord, you know all of our lives. You know situations ahead. And Lord, we just pray, Father, that you would open our hearts this morning to hear your word and to receive your word. Help us to apply these words of wisdom to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Joe. So here we are in the book of two kings from the Old Testament. So what could a story of a king of Judah wanting to do with us today and indeed for this new year? Well, for me, at first glance, it's about restoring temples. And that's what I've been doing for the last 20 odd years. Um, I've been working on in the stone industry, working on Westminster Abbey, Buckingham Palace and all these college buildings. And, and it's been a wonderful career. So I could be talking about stone restoration this morning for half an hour, if you like. Um, I can see that looks very interesting for most of you. But I have it on the highest authority that my job is interesting. Most people say, oh, your job's interesting. It takes you to the best places. But even the Queen of England says that my job is interesting. Even she said to my face, we met her at the end of the restoration of Westminster Abbey 20 odd years ago now. And, um, and as I was introduced to her, this, um, the, the project manager said, well, this is Steve. He's done all the drawings for the last few years of, of this project. And, uh, she says, and I quote, very interesting. There you have it. You see, they are, haven't changed a bit. Her Majesty, I mean, this is the book actually in my hand, in, in the hand of the photo. This is the service book, uh, that was, dedicating Westminster Abbey back after all the restoration work. And it's funny that here I am now with this same book in my hand, but 20 years ago I wasn't a Christian. I was there at this service, hundreds of people, and they were thanking God for the work that was done at Westminster Abbey, but all the prayers in here didn't really mean anything to me. And here I am today with this book in my hand again, 
preaching about a restoration of another temple. So in what we just read in this chapter is another restoration project, isn't it? Another restoration project. Um, I'm just going to give a brief background to where we are in the story with God and his people Israel. Forgive me for those who do know the story well. Um, but the temple in this case was built for the glory of God in the time of King Solomon, son of David, wasn't it? In 1 Kings, it, God promised to remain in the presence of his people as long as they remain faithful to him. So remember that promise. On completion of the temple, what was described in 1 Kings chapter 8 is something that I just find incredible. Verse 10 is, when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the temple, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform the service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Wow. Just grabs you, doesn't it? Can you imagine that you couldn't even enter the building because of the glory of the Lord was in the building? Can you imagine turning up this morning and everyone on the outside on the street and where can you go in? Well, the glory of the Lord's in this building, people. We can't get in. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Imagine it here at this church. After the dedication of the temple by King Solomon, it goes on to say in 1 Kings 9, verse 6, God reiterates what he said earlier. To King Solomon, he says, but if you or your sons turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I've given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated from my name. And that's, of course, what happened. Even after the glorious presence of God in his temple, which people visually saw, and experience, they still turn their back on God. Isn't it easy, isn't it? Very easy. So King Solomon and his sons, they worshipped other idols and gods, and then God did indeed leave his temple. So what happened? The kingdom split into two, Israel and Judah, with the temple in Jerusalem and Judah. And over all the subsequent years, different kings reign in the kingdoms, and the majority of them, on their worshipping of false idols, other gods. But there were one or two exceptions. King Joash here, he wanted to bring restoration to the temple, didn't he? He said here, Joash, in verse 2, Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. All the years, Jehoiada the priest instructed him. There was a slight exception in verse 3 where the high places were not removed and the people continued to offer sacrifices there. But he'd made a start, hadn't he? He made a start. He had the right heart. He wanted to restore the temple. He wanted to, he did what was right in the eyes of God. He had a passion for restoring God's temple. Now he'd heard about the glory years, if you like, where God had been there and he just wanted, perhaps he had heart, he wanted it back. He wanted God's people back in the presence of God. You know, that's why we're doing the work on this building too, isn't it? We, we want to, we know God's here. We know His Spirit's here. We want the people to come into this temple here. Attractive to them. We're looking after God's temple. We want His Spirit to manifest here more and more. And that's what we want this year. We've seen an amazing year in 2014 with God here in this building. 
But we want more. And when you see what God did in his temple originally, why not here? The glory of his presence in this building. Hallelujah. But we also know, don't we, that the Lord Jesus, after his death and resurrection, sent his Holy Spirit. And in these days, his spirit's being poured out on all sons and daughters. So with his spirit living in us, in our bodies, God's spirit, presence living in us, does that make us temples of God? The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, Do you know, not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore honour God with your body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Turn to your neighbour and say, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow. The Spirit of God is in your body. He lives in you. It's incredible, isn't it? You were bought at a price. And that price is the blood of Jesus, isn't it? Died on the cross for our sins. To pay for and to bring restoration between the world and God again. So we can look at restoration in three different parts. Buildings, our temples, our bodies, and relationships. God reconciling the word back to himself. Now I've called this message today DIY SOS. Not just looking at DIY in a building, our houses, but also our bodies, our temples. What DIY do we need to do in our lives that carry the Spirit of God into this year? How can we maintain the Spirit of God in our lives this year right through the next 12 months? What can we do? So from this story, we can learn a few things. Point one is, what has God called us to do? Are we still delaying and just not yet made that step of faith perhaps? In verse 4 and 5, Joash in verse 4 said to the priests, collect all the money that is brought as sacred offerings to the temple of the Lord, the money collected in the census, the money received from personal vows, and the money brought, from volunt- brought voluntarily to the temple. Let every priest receive the money from one of the treasurers and let it be used to repair whatever damage is found in the temple. So he's given that instruction. And the next few words in verse 6, but by the 23rd year, so 23 years have gone past. So can you imagine your wife waiting 23 years for the spare room to be painted? Or the hallway to be painted? Or whatever it may be. She gives you an instruction. Yes, darling, I'll do that next week or 23 years time. There's King Joash arriving at the temple, expecting to see him be a cute lorry outside. And the work finished, but it's not even started yet. What has God told us to do in our lives? Are we delaying something? Perhaps he's given this instruction to do something, to, 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 step, to step out the boat now and do something. Don't delay. Don't delay. I believe that the priests in these 23 years, they were carrying out their work diligently. They were doing their work well inside the temple and doing their work well. But perhaps they got into a routine. They got into their religious duties, routine sort of thing. 
We cannot let our faith become religious. You know? Are we going to coast along for another 23 years or 12 months or whatever it may be? I believe God is speaking to people today to act on something. The Holy Spirit is here. I mean, it's convicting people today at this moment to get a move on. Don't wait anymore. Time is slipping away, people. It's so fast, isn't it? So fast. We've had this upper room now open for nearly two years. It's incredible how time the, far, the, the time is so fast. So let's not get into a routine. Let's just not come to church once a week, tick the box. Go, you know, it's every day with God, isn't it? We need to examine ourselves and look in the areas of lives. Where can we grow with God? You know, perhaps you're not a Christian here today. Looking for a meaning and purpose in life. Looking for something for this year or saying, well, this another year. What's in store for me this year sort of thing. But if you take away the creator, you don't have a purpose. Everything has a purpose we see around us. The chair you're sitting on, it was created for a purpose. You take away the creator God, what is your life really, ultimately? You're created for a purpose. There are many things out there, and there's always people seeking for something. You see, that's why there's many things. The latest this, the latest life coaches, and all these kind of things. They're they're good. Um, I was given a book once before I was a strong Christian, shall we say. And um, it was a hypnosis book. I couldn't put the book down. It was called Instant Confidence. And I thought, well, this is, this is good. I had a CD with it, and you put the CD on in a car, and that was dangerous. So I had the book. The book was more safer. And I had all these techniques out about instant confidence, more of your life, give a reason for your life, a purpose for your life. So I thought, this is what I need. This is what I need. So I was looking at this book, and one of the chapters was, look at someone you admire, someone you want to be like. You know, so I thought, yeah, yeah, I can do this. And I wanted to be like James Bond. Okay, and the technique was you, you, you look in the mirror and you close your eyes. And as you open it, you imagine James Bond there or whoever it may be, whoever you want to be. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm James Bond. You said, then all this stuff, I'm James Bond. Instant confidence. All this, you know, this is what it's about, isn't it? It's like your mind over matter and all this kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm James Bond. Yeah. And start talking like money penny. So you're doing all this. And I started having the Sony phone, the James Bond phone. I dropped it at a cracked screen. It wasn't bulletproof. That's for sure. So there it was. Instant confidence. Actually, that's not a bad technique if you put the face of Jesus in the mirror. You put the face of Jesus in the mirror, the first face is the, the invisible God, visible. Put his face in the mirror. And the first face you want to put on is a crown of thorns on his head. Blood coming down his face. Repentant. And then the next face you see is his hand coming out from the face saying, Come son, you're forgiven. And then you say, I want to be like you, Jesus. Make me more like you, Jesus. 
And then you're calling out into the mirror saying, make me like you, Jesus. Give me a heart of compassion, Lord. He pours his spirit into you. Then you have a heart of compassion. Be like Jesus. The difference between James Bond and Jesus is that James Bond saved the world, but Jesus is the saviour of the world. Do like James Bond movie though. Christ brings restoration. Perhaps you're a Christian here. Sometimes you don't feel the presence of the Spirit really strong in your bodies. But John the Baptist says, didn't he? I baptize in water, but there will be one after me who will baptize in fire. Wow. The Holy Spirit is here. It just if you want to feel his presence, just ask Jesus, can you feel me? Your, pr- your presence is here. Come upon me, Lord. His spirit's hovering now, ready to fill you afresh. You've got to desire it, people. You've got to desire it. More than ever. To know the purpose of God is for you. He's that counsellor. Restoration is needed when we let things slip by. Like the stonework to the entrance to the building, we surveyed it, didn't we? We inspected it. We ascertained what stones needed to be replaced. We, we did a survey. We said, right, that one, that one, that one needs to be done. Verse 9 to 11 in the story, we just read, says this. Jehoiada the priest took a chest and bored a hole in its lid. He placed it beside the altar on the right side as one enters the temple of the Lord. The priest who guarded the entrance put into the chest all the money that was brought to the temple of the Lord. Whenever they saw that there was a large amount of money in the chest, the royal secretary and the high priest came, counted the money that had been brought into the temple of the Lord and put it into bags. When the amount had been determined, they gave the money to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And with it, they paid those who worked on the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons, the stonecutters. So the priests, they did a physical action to monitor how much money was being raised. Because they were rebuked by King Joash for not getting on with the project, they put, a, a, they put something in place to monitor where they were going. And the instruction was to get the temple restored, get it built. So they physically drew a hole in the chest. I can't imagine Pastor Phil having a chest here with a hole in it to see the funds being raised for the, the out-of-court project. But in a way, that's what we're doing. We are setting aside funds. We have dressed stone at the back of the car park at the moment, ready to go into the wall. But the, the priests had to do this physical action. And when they saw it, they acted on it and got it done. So what physical action are we doing in our lives? What markers are we putting in place on our lives? Where are we going with Christ? What needs restoring? What action is required to complete the works? Perhaps less time in other things? Where are we spending our time? I did this a few years ago. I was working at home and I used to buy the paper and try to look elegant with the tablet and the broadsheets, you know, and then I just felt, what am I doing? I'm reading all this. Have you seen the Sunday Times now? It's like a brick, isn't it? It's like a slab of concrete. It would take you a month for Sundays to read it. It's time, isn't it? Time is the most valuable thing we have. 
What are we wasting our time on reading, absorbing? Do you know? What are we doing? If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, what did the disciples do? Did they spend their days reading the Jerusalem Telegraph? Listening to Jerusalem FM? I don't know. They spent time with Jesus, didn't they? To become like Jesus, you've got to spend time with him. You know, the disciples weren't talking to each other. Oh, we'll see you next Sunday when Jesus is preaching next. They were there nearly every day with him, weren't they? Listening to his voice, learning from him every day. So when I flick through a newspaper now, I've read this somewhere before where it says, you start to look through the newspapers through heavenly eyes. It's wonderful. You see, the things in the newspapers are all the things that the Bible's talking about. The end days, the suffering in the world. It's all in the newspapers all the time, isn't it? And to see it through spiritual eyes is, is, is enlightening. And that's what I think when I read it now. And I think, did I really spend so much time reading this? But you do, you learn as you go along. And in the day, you're only reading other people's thoughts, aren't you? They're not divine thoughts. The divine thoughts are in here, isn't it? This is where we should be spending our time. This is the divine word. This is the source we need to read. It needs to be a priority. Make it a priority this year. Get on a Bible reading plan or, or, or study notes every day. But desire his presence more. Don't just do it to get a tick in the list and say, I've done that today. I've cleaned my teeth, read my Bible, brushed my hair. You know, this is the utmost importance. Spending time in his presence. Say, Lord, speak to me today as I read your word, God. Make me different as I go into my workplace. We're going back in the workplace tomorrow morning. Happy New Year, they'll be saying. Yes, what's happy about it? It's Monday, back to work. But you want to go back and say, it's Monday, thank God. It's a new day, but Jesus is with me. That's how you want to go into work tomorrow morning. Once you've inspected where you are at and you're putting markers in place and you're desiring God, you want to maintain, don't you? After restoration comes maintenance. And one of my favorite verses in Ecclesiastes 10.18 says, If a man is lazy... The rafters sag. If his hands are idle, the house leaks. So gentlemen, what unfinished works have you got in your houses? Have we done that room yet? Have we cleaned out the gutters? Have we painted the window frames? Cut the grass? We've all got different gifts and abilities. Perhaps if you're not a particular DIY expert, invite some brothers around for dinner. And let them do it. We can all exchange skills and abilities, can't we? Thank God we, we own our house at the end of last year. By a miracle of God, by his grace. And there's a lot of work to do in our house. And you know those Bible verses you put in your fridge and all those favorite little verses. I think Lily will start putting this verse up everywhere. If a man is lazy, the damp will rise. <laughs> All these kind of verses all around the house now. I've got to maintain our house. You've got to maintain your house. We had electric light in our toilet 
uh, you know, those pull cord ones. And as the time went by, it got shorter and shorter. It started to... Then one day the whole thing went and we couldn't turn the bathroom light on. So we were going to the toilet by candlelight, mobile phone light. And it was like this for about three or four weeks. <laughs> and I thought, there's more important things to do. And we're getting by. Candles are good. But then one day I just looked at it and I thought, I really must look at that and do that. Yes. And I went down to Ridgens or any other trade place is good. Bought the part and it was up in five minutes. Why not do that four weeks ago? But that's how quick it took. What more then to maintain the house of God? What more then to maintain the house of God? We want his presence here. We need to maintain our building. And that's why there's maintenance teams in these big churches and cathedrals and colleges, isn't there? To maintain their building, to keep it regularly going over. Verse 11 says, When the amounts had been determined, they gave the money to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. With it, they paid those who worked in the temple of the Lord. They purchased timber and dressed stone for the repair of the temple of the Lord and met all the other expenses of restoring the temple. So just like this passage, we have been setting aside funds, as I've said before. But as Pastor Phil set out in his sermon last year, didn't he, regarding the works, we're not preparing just for God to visit. We're preparing for people. We want to show the people out there that King's Church is a church that's hungry for the presence of God. When we're out in the streets and we're taking the word out to people and they come, we want to portray the same image. That we care about God, we love God with all our heart and we treasure what he has given us. But remember, you too are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are his temple, people. We need a maintenance program. What are we doing to maintain ourselves? The biggest thing that we can set aside is time. That's the one thing we can only set aside really for God, isn't it? Time. Time is precious. Time is precious. We need to make room for the Holy Spirit in our daily walk to to refresh us, to live in us, to listen to his voice. If you sleep for eight hours, that leaves 16 hours. Eight hours at work, that leaves eight, another eight hours. So it's just looking at time management and saying, yeah, I'm going to spend an hour with God. I want to spend an hour with God. Perhaps we need to fast more. Oh dear. The more we fast, the more we channel our thoughts, don't we, and desires on God. It's a way, it's a disciplined way of getting him in us. You know, it's very important to spend time in his presence. Very important. You know, we, we may feel okay, but we're in a sort of a crash and burn syndrome world, aren't we? Where we, we work, 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 work. We get to the end of the year. And then we start getting ill. We, we're burnt out. It's all, it's all work, work, work. We need rest to build rest in. We know that God rested on the seventh day. It's one of the most earliest words of the whole Bible. He rested on the seventh day. We, need, we can rest too. Time to relax, unwind physically and mentally. You know, I go to the gym. 
a few times, and it's good for me, not just physically, but I just enjoy just letting it unwind, letting it all go. And it's a great evangel, evangelical tool for me. I talk to a lot of people in the gym. And, and it's good. It's good. Look after your temple as much as you can. You know, the gyms are full at this time of year. People on their New Year's resolutions. I must lose weight. I must burn off this. Give it a few weeks, those gyms will be back to normal, won't they? They'll be back to normal. That early keenness and desire, that membership program bought for them at Christmas. Oh, won't go as much now, it's getting cold. It soon subside, won't it? Well, what about our Christian walk? Are we going to maintain that? Or are we going to let that slip? Maintenance is ongoing. It's not just a one-off. Is going to the Voice and City Conference enough? They're good. They're good things. We've got two of them this year. Go to both. But also spend time with God around it. We need to get as much of God as we can. Build him in your life. If we're an unbeliever here today, being restored to God for accepting Jesus as your Savior is not just a one-off. It's an ongoing, daily part of your life. Constant examining ourselves, putting down markers of our faith, how we progress and to be the disciples that Jesus wants us to be. Perhaps we need accountability where we're going with our faith. Meet a mentor or someone to be accountable to. Yes, I'm struggling in this area of sin. Help me to pray about it. To help you get along in your faith. Because maintenance is better than restoration. In the physical building world, if you fail to clean out your gutters, for instance, the water builds up, goes into your fascia, your soffit, your plasterboards, your rafters, that's a big restoration bill. To actually just clean out the leaves is cheap, isn't it? It's easy. So maintaining your walk with Jesus is important. If you maintain your walk with Jesus daily, it's good. But if he starts not coming to the meetings, less praying, less time in God's word, you're back here again. And to get back up there again can be painful. can be a long walk. And along the way, it could be painful, really painful, like King David. He was up there, wasn't he, in glory. Loving Jesus, loving God, with all his heart, dancing. Then he slipped back. But to get back up to there, he had a heart of God, but he had to pay some real serious prices on the way to get back. He paid. So we need to keep maintaining our faith with God, walking with God daily, spending time with the Word, coming to the meetings, coming to Tuesdays as much as you can, and just spending time with the family, building yourself up, Listening to the right stuff, it's, it's important. Maintenance is cheaper than restoration. It's cheaper than restoration. It can be hard emotional, can't it, to come back as well. The pain that can come from emotions, from trying to get back to God. Remember the storms come to both the wise and the foolish man. Make sure that you're 
you're on the rock of Jesus for those storms that inevitably will come. We wish a prosperous and happy new year and a healthy new year, of course. But some of us will be sick. Some of us may be facing redundancy. Some of us may be short of money this year. But are you going to remain on the rock of Jesus? That's where it's important. That's where it's important. Maintain on the rock of Jesus. The story that we've been reading in the Bible here today about King Joash, it ends rather sadly. After the death of the priest Jehoiada, his son became the next priest. But those people around King Joash distracted him and convinced him to, to turn his back on God again and the temple and the priesthood. And they worshipped other idols again. It started oh so well. He had a heart of God, didn't we, in verse 2. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But he didn't sustain it. He didn't maintain that. He fell away. He got distracted. Other people came along and distracted him. He ended up killing the son of the priest. Who are we going to put around us to distract us from our walk with God this year? Are we going to let other things distract us from our journey with Jesus this year? It started well, but he didn't finish the job. We want to start this year well, don't we? To completion. Let's keep focus on what Jesus wants us to do. Stop the things that are taking time from him. Ask God for wisdom all the time and where you are spending your time. Lord, am I, am I spending the right amount of time with you, Lord? Ask him to convict your heart in every area of your life. Lord, do you really want me to watch this stuff, Lord? Or read, where do you want me to be, God? Ask him all the time. He will give you wisdom. He says he will. He's not going to deny you wisdom. If you ask for him, the devil prowls around like a lion, doesn't he? Waiting all the time for someone to devour. Restoration is costly. Put on the full armor of God daily, every morning. Put it on. Desire him. Enjoy his presence. Enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit living in you. We are the body of the Holy Spirit. His spirit lives in us. It's a treasure. It's an absolute treasure. It's an honor to have the Spirit living in you. He died for you. Caress it. Learn to love it. Honor God with your body, it says. Honor God with your body. It's a real treat to have the Holy Spirit living in you. The things He can do through you are incredible. The lives touched because Jesus used you as a conductor. To touch people's lives. Learn to love it. Treasure it. 1 Corinthians 3, 16-17. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. 
You are sacred. Makes you holy. You are that temple. We are that temple. God's spirit lives in us. Let's maintain that walk within this year. And whatever storm comes in your life this year, live one day at a time with Jesus. People are asking me all the time, what is your New Year's resolutions? I say it's the same as last year. Or what was that? To live one day at a time with Jesus. Whatever comes my way, it's all for him. It's all for him. I just want to read a prayer from this book 20 years ago, which just, it's beautiful. I just want to show you this prayer from this book that I first saw that time. Look at that. Lord of all the world, from your chosen people, you have built a living temple to be the place of your name, the home of your glory. Accept the dedication of our hearts. And so fill us with your spirit that the brightness of your son Jesus may shine in our lives and give you glory. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? When I first saw that, it didn't mean nothing to me. But now I'm going to pray it again. I want you to join me and bow on your heads as I, as I pray it. I want you to receive it. Because God's spirit is here. He's chosen you as his temple. Receive it. Receive it. Jesus, thank you. Lord of all the world, from your chosen people, you have built a living temple to be the place of your name, the home of your glory. Accept this dedication of our hearts, Lord. So fill us with your spirit, God. That the brightness of your son, your precious son, Jesus, may and will shine in our lives, Lord. And to give you all the glory, Lord. To give you all the glory, Lord. And the people said, Amen. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.